0: Welcome to They Came From Outer Space, a radio program where we talk to filmmakers and buffs about their favorite sci-fi films and how it relates to their own work and today's wild world. I'm filmmaker Cameron Kitt, also known on WRIR as DJ Lilas, and you're listening to WRIR, WRIR LP 97.3 FM. I'm here today with Dan Hoffman to discuss elements of a great science fiction screenplay. Thanks for being here, Dan.
1: Thanks a lot
0: Yeah. for having me. So, for those of you who don't know him, Dan Hoffman has 20 years of experience in script doctoring, professional screenplays for the European and American film industries. He's helped develop more than 60 features, documentaries, and TV shows for studios like Paramount, New Line, Cinema, Focus Features, and HBO. And he's helped develop FX's hit show, The Bridge, and AMC's The Killing. And you've worked with numerous Academy award-winning screenwriters. You currently live in New York, but you work on both coasts. And Dan also runs the service Script counseling, helping writers with detailed advice on how to maximize their reach within a specific genre. And you can find out more about that at scriptcounseling.com.
1: Great. Thanks.
0: So now, Dan, you, 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 this is a little bit of a special version of my, my podcast today, which is we're not talking about any one specific film. Why did you choose to talk about what makes the elements of a great screenplay in sci fi?
1: Well, oh, for many reasons I, I've been, you know, I, I actually, I have to admit, I rarely get to work uh, on science fiction scripts. I, I did, mm. I, I, you know, I've done maybe like two or three science fiction, I mean, script, you know, script doctoring two or three science fiction screenplays over the years. Not, not that many. I did one, uh, did one last year um, called Infinite, which, um, but uh, other than that, um I don't get to do that much of it, although it's one of my, perhaps one of my favorite genres, actually. I I fell in love with sci-fi when I was a young kid, um, reading a lot of, pretty much everything I could get my hand on, uh, as far as science fiction, literature, books, novels, short stories, comic books. And also, so there's probably also another reason. Uh, you know, when I worked uh, for Paramount uh, and other studios as a script reader, which is how I started out, mm-hmm. I, I did see a lot of, of you know science fiction spec scripts come in, and 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 uh, it broke my heart because none of them were very good. <laughs> and and uh, you know, being the you know, coming from a place where I really love, it's one of my favorite genres that that really you know. Uh, <laughs> did a number on me, and, and, and I feel frustrated by it. I'm still frustrated by it. I still work for studios sometimes. They reach out to me and ask me to read. And, uh, um, and uh, they do get quite a few sci-fi spec scripts, and, and they, they're all burdened by enormous problems.
0: Hmm. <clears throat> so first, what, how would you define science fiction as a genre, especially within film?
1: right that's a great question because it's a hugely difficult question <laughs> but um, I think my short definition of it would be that it's a speculative genre that you mm-hmm. know uh which basically in in my you know in my view um means that it's it's um um it's based on really thought experiments about the future, mm-hmm. what the future might bring, or about technology, or about science. So it's basically, as I see, a speculative genre that that has its root in thought experiments about the future.
0: Mm. Now, my my outsider perspective before I started working in film is, I loved science fiction and fantasy and read a tremendous amount of both. And of course, reading books and, is, and reading fiction is extremely different from film. And in in a book, you're not burdened by a budget for CGI right. or costume or anything, but I noticed how easy it is for them to be campy and bad. And I wonder if that's a reason I always assumed that in, the studios didn't want to go for them because they're expensive, but why do you think it sounds like a, because not a lot of the scripts are good is the problem.
1: Right. Uh, I, I mean, I think I've know I work with studios on a daily basis and, and I do have some kind of insight into how, how they might think about this. It's definitely not a, the The problem is not that they they're ex, they're expensive, mm-hmm. uh, um, not at all. Um, you know, there's a there's a common framework or a rule you might say that you know Hollywood producers work with, and that is that you know the budget has to fit, has to fit the idea or the screenplay, which which basically means that sometimes you will find that you know spec scripts are actually too cheap to get made. <laughs> which is which sounds weird. Uh, hmm. uh, but but, but the, um, the basic idea is that that Hollywood thinks about movies as you know in in, in, in sp- very, very specific terms. And those terms are um, that movies have to cater to their their core audiences. Right, and if you look, and if you look at sci-fi, and if you ask yourself, you know, who who um, who you know who watches sci-fi movies? Who, I mean, a lot of people do, of course, but but uh, who's the main audience here? Who's the target audience? I mean, mm-hmm. who who are the sci-fi fans? If you ask that question, I mean, um, which is the question that Hollywood has <laughs> asked for years, um, you will find that it's largely teenagers. Hmm. Um not that other people don't watch sci-fi they do I watch sci-fi although I haven't been a teenager for <laughs> a, a long time uh, uh but you know um uh, but mostly you know I have to I would, you know I have to realize that I'm in the majority I in the minority right because mo- most most hardcore you know science fiction movie fans are actually teenagers that that's what the numbers show and um and for that reason they have certain expectations to, to you know for, for a movie you know the teenagers want to see they want to get bang for their buck so to speak they they want um, they want to see explosions in space they want to see you know laser guns they want to see hideous space aliens get blasted you know? <laughs> uh, and and for that reason you know um, the way it works is, is, actually you know whether a movie. So let's say theoretically, theoretically, if you send a spec script to, to uh, if you're lucky enough to get you know get through the gates and, and send your spec script to, a, you know, to uh, if you're lucky enough to uh, to get it on, to, you know, to get to, you know in front of a producer. Um, and if you if you're thinking low budget, you might actually be extremely wrong because they they might look at the script and say, "We love this story." But it's just too low budget for us, you know, because mm-hmm. because uh, um, they know that that um, at the end of the day, if they want to get teenagers to watch the movie, they have to up the budget by, you know, a thousand percent, whether the story requires it or not, you know. Uh, um, so, so it's actually a common misconception to think, you know, you can write low budget science fiction. You really can't. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, um, and, and, and you know, I didn't know, I don't even know if that answers your question or not. Uh, no,
0: it does. It, it, you know what it made me think of, though, is, is Rick and Morty, the plurif- proliferation and the, the huge success of that show. Yeah. And you think, who is the core audience of that show? It's teenagers. Right. Um, it's perfectly hitting their audience and it's giving them all of the things that teenagers want, which is also gratuitous violence and sex mixed in with their sci fi as well. Right, right? exactly. Um, so in that sense, that show is, is doing exactly like what you said. It's giving you all the hideous monsters. Um, of course, Star Trek, I wonder when it came out was, you know, my, my my parents watched it when they were kids. They were children. Is that a thing? I wonder if that's also part of the reason that's, that we perceive science fiction as being for teenagers is because it was came out at the time when...
1: I think it was a different I think it was a different era back I mean uh, of course I mean uh, it goes without saying that you know the 1950s and 60s was like the golden age of sci-fi
0: and, and- big movies Sci-fi
1: movies. <laughs> right? Exactly, and 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 you know, there's a reason for that. That was because you know, the 1950s and 60s also gave rise to the space age, right? And yes. uh, and and everybody everybody became interested in you know space exploration because all of a sudden it was an actual thing, uh, um, and then and so you know it, it gained a wide audience. It gained you know you know, it, and, and that's perhaps not as true today as it was then. Uh, um, so, so hmm. it's a it's a different it's a different era, uh, and also you you also see a different kind of trend uh, in, in 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 if you read like 1950s or 60s literature, science fiction literature, novels, short stories, and so on. They're much more intellectual, much more highbrow, much more philosophical. Uh, you know, because 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 they could do that back then, because, you know, it, it just reached a large audience. It, you know, it, it, science fiction back then also attracted people that were interested in science and philosophy, uh, which might not be the case today, as much as it was. <laughs> Sorry to say.
0: Actually said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that reminds me of something a little bit off topic, which is I saw a really great statistical chart i'm sure you've seen which was the percentage of genre films that are made over the years and it showed the the fall of the western and the fall of the Mm rom-com right over over the course of of genre so you've been working in the industry for 20 years and you've got you've seen the rise and fall of certain genres as as we have more relevant historical events that are happening, right? Are there more? I, I remember when the post came out, right? There's more uh, research dramas, you know. So have you seen? Have you seen the rise and fall of certain genres? And where do you see sci-fi in that more recent oh, yeah. trend?
1: well uh yeah that, that that i guess that's the good news um that that you know sci-fi is on the rise for, mm-hmm. for, for a number of reasons of course um because as we see you know all of us you know we're living in a in a new age in an age of digital technology where where mm-hmm. special effects have become you know where pretty much everything you can imagine is possible to to depict on pretty realistically on the screen uh which is a new new situation mm-hmm. um and that sort of you know that not sort of, but that you know, that's that's a good thing for sci-fi, you know, because all of a sudden you you can actually envision things on the screen that you weren't you weren't able to do very convincingly, you know, before. So so uh, there's definitely a rise in science fiction, and also if you if you happen to to to. Um, Include superheroes as a, as a sort of as a sub genre of science fiction. You know, I think everyone would recognize that it's it's one of the most popular genres.
0: Oh, I've never actually can you believe I've never actually thought of Marvel as science fiction when it, that's the entirety of the of all of those films is they're all. I mean, now <laughs> at least they're all in space. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, wow. but,
1: yeah, but but that's I mean it, we, I, I know a lot of people don't really think I mean ordinarily think of of superheroes as science fiction, but you know, but it, it, that's what it is. I mean,
0: oh, it absolutely is. I mean, especially since we're working towards things like elongating life and 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 you know editing human genomes and code, right? We're working towards that. That is the future in a weird way. Is, yeah,
1: exactly right. And I mean, even if you look at let's say the very first uh, very first modern superhero, in, in, uh, which was probably Superman man, right, mm-hmm. who was invent, invented in the 30s or 40s, mm-hmm. you know, what is that if not science fiction? He's an alien from outer space, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and um, so um, that, alo- that alone puts it in the category of science fiction. And, and um, so, yeah, superheroes, are in, my, in my view, definitely science fiction. Um,
0: it, it was also very ahead of its time in that the entirety of the story in the early days is, is empathizing with an alien in experiencing human culture.
1: Yes, yes, right.
0: trying to fit in um, and seeing where he fits in and and coming to terms with his powers and hiding his powers and all that. You know, you're empathizing with him. He's the last of his kind. I'd never thought about it like that. There's not that many movies nowadays where you're empathizing and the main character is the alien.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah. That that was something completely new. Uh, uh, And it's actually kind of brilliant because uh, – if you look at the history of aliens in literature, you know what do you have before Superman? You have H.G. Wells, you know, War of the Worlds, mm-hmm. and a lot mm-hmm. of and all those novels and, and and short stories that that followed in the wake of that, which all all of them depicted aliens as evil forces trying to inv- mm-hmm. inv- invade the planet or you know eradicate humankind. And all of a sudden, you have this sympathetic alien in Superman, mm-hmm. uh, which was something completely new back then.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, you know, you said it attracted you as a young man. Why do you love the genre, personally?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I love it um, <laughs> because it's it's it's, a, it's an it's a it's a genre that is uh, what, what how do I say it? It's a genre that elevates the idea in its most pure form. Wow! You know, it i it's it's the genre that puts ideas, philosophical ideas. Um, at the very center, and no, no other genre really does that, uh, and, and especially that's especially true if you read like classic science fiction. Um, you know, science fiction of the f- '50s and '60s, all the literature that was written back then—the great books, you know, written by
0: Asimov, Huff. Herbert. Yeah, exactly.
1: Arthur C. Clarke, Philip i I'm Dick. a
0: huge Arthur C. Clarke fan. Yeah, uh,
1: you know, the, these are stories, especially the short stories, are are, are uh, like. You, i i would almost say they're actually not actually stories in in, in traditional sense of in the traditional de- definition of that word they're more like you know ideas ideas about the human condition be ideas about time be ideas about the universe ideas about mm-hmm. you know philosophical ideas um that took the shape of of stories without really being you know Dramas, um, so so for me that that's that's part of the reason why I love science fiction. That it's it's a it's a speculative genre where you can really explore ideas, philosophical idea in their most pure form. Okay. And I think actually, if you think about it that way, um, there's this close connection t- between science fiction and science, but not in the way that most people think. Um, because science too, I mean, especially like cosmology, sciences, like, like cosmology, uh, like modern physics, uh, that are in almost the same situation as science fiction. I, I, What I'm trying to say is, I, I don't think it's 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 coincidental that science fiction turned out the, the science fiction as a literary genre turned out the way it did because, you know, most of those science fiction authors that we talked about, you know, uh, Clark and Asimo and a bunch of other guys uh, and women, they were by training they were scientists, right? They just wrote fiction in you know in their spare time, and and uh, and. Um, I don't think that's coincidental and there is a connection there that most people actually haven't thought about that much um, you know because when you're dealing with with let's say sciences such as cosmology um, you, there's really no way you can test those, you know, um, test those ideas in a lab like you could with, let's say, biology or.
0: Oh my gosh, you're so, so right. Cosmic physics and astrophysics is is in, indistinguishable from science fiction because you have no you have no hard facts. It is a right, thought experiment. Right, black and, holes are a thought experiment. Right. Oh my gosh.
1: And and you know that's how that that's the only that's the only tool available to which is thought experiments, right? And you know, like Einstein, Albert Einstein, you know, he came upon the theory of general relativity through a series of thought experiments. He did yep. in, he did in yep. in, his, in his mind. So so, so there is not is it's not a, it's not a huge leap from that to writing fiction, right? Mm. Because because science that that kind of science that level of science is actually fiction already, in a sense. Apart from the fact, of course, that it's based on facts <laughs> and not and not fantasy, uh, but it's based, you know, science. On you know that that level of science is actually thought experiments about about known facts or observable, observable, testable facts. Uh, so you know, you will find so you will find a kinship between you know scientists and the way they work and science fiction as well. Besides the obvious fact that it's about science. <laughs>
0: That's so beautifully said. Thank you. Um, and I, I don't know if you, I don't know if you know this, but Arthur C. Clarke he either did achieve it or he got very close to writing one book in every section of the Dewey Decimal System because he's a freak. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: I didn't realize that. That's it. That's
0: something that only a scientist would want to do, right? He's like, I'm going to write one. in And <laughs> he, he wrote a book on trees. He wrote a book on, you know, like history. He, he did it all.
1: Um, he was an, am- an amazing author and an amazing scientist as well.
0: Yeah, do we still have scientists who write science fiction? I know that there's a couple I've read where there are people who go from one to the other. Uh, And I recently read a book called Soonish where it was just people interviewing scientists on the cutting edge of future technology. But I don't know that many breakthrough sci-fi authors right now who are who were scientists.
1: No, I mean it's no, definitely I, I don't know if of any either. I'm not saying that they don't exist anymore, but I don't I don't know of them. But but I surely know that all the you know the great ones of the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. I mean many of them had a training in in science you know in science like you know Clark obviously who was a biochemist, um, and Arthur C. Clarke, uh, right? Um, who if he had not written his sci-fi stories uh, would have become known for inventing, uh, 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 setless, you know, satellite transmission.
0: Ramjet is what it says. Ramjet turbofan. Ter- I did not know this.
1: <laughs> right. It, it's actually the reason the same
0: man who wrote *Childhood's End*. Invented jet propulsion systems.
1: Yes. What. <laughs> And and also even going back all the way to Jules Verne. I mean, although he wasn't a scientist, obviously he was a writer, mm-hmm. but but he was like a scientifically minded writer. Uh, so a lot of the ideas that he had uh, in his books were really well thought out, uh, and he always like made sure that they would actually check out in reality. Like and for that reason, he you know he invented like the submarine, other things, you know. Um, and many other things actually can be attributed to, to coming from his books because they they had a sound found, scientific foundation. Also, wow. in fact, also you know when he when he wrote uh, "Journey to the Moon," which I actually don't know when he wrote, but probably somewhere late in the eighteen the nineteenth century, late eighteen eighties, something like that, uh, or maybe eighteen nineties. I don't know uh, when he wrote that. I mean, if you read that book today which I don't recommend anyone doing because it's, it's a hugely boring book. Uh, <laughs> you know, pe- pe- I mean, he, he, I
0: remember uh, reading Journey to the center of the earth and dreading every moment of it. Honestly, it was painful. It, it was it's a painful experience.
1: Painfully boring because he, uh, he you know, he's so meticulous um, in his writing and he's so, uh, he's so driven by, I think a need to convince the audience that this could, know be real and providing Mm -hmm. all the scientific data for it um it becomes so it becomes more science than than fiction Mm -hmm. And, and um but actually you know if you if you read uh journey to to the moon where he you know concocts the story about you know man's first venture into space basically um he does such an amazingly accurate job in his prediction that he actually predicts that you know the best you know the that the sp- international space center would be located in florida um really at almost the exact spot where it actually what nasa actually is located and that's because oh. and that's because he you know he went through uh, the painful uh, ordeal of, of actually calculating calculating where the best you know uh site for for space missions would be um According to geography and and you know and planetary motions and all that, uh, but that's also what makes his book so um, so extremely boring. <laughs> if you well, ask so, me. So
0: he would be a great example of hard science fiction versus soft sci-fi. So people the people discuss back and forth that a movie like Interstellar is a great example of hard sci-fi, where for all intents and purposes, everything presented is meant to be factual and possible. You know, obviously going into a black hole. not particularly possible, but we don't know the answer to that, right? We don't know for a fact. So they try to present things in a realistic, futuristic light. It's so interesting story. Okay, the story of the journey to the moon is about the Baltimore gun club, a post civil war society of weapons enthusiasts and their attempt to build an enormous Columbia space gun to launch three people into the moon's orbit and get down to a moon landing. I just read in that book soonish they are they are actually actively working on the idea of a, a giant gun to launch projectiles. <laughs> <Well, laughs> 150 years later, this is still this idea still has legs. <laughs> Barrels.
1: Well, so I w- <laughs> wish them the best of luck, but I, I have to say I'm, <laughs> I'm hugely skeptical about you know whether it's actually possible to shoot someone in you know into space through. The you gun know, would pr- have to
0: you know, so huge. The more interesting part of that was the space elevator. The space elevator actually does have more legs than anything else right now. Right. And I'm so intrigued by that concept. Right. So yeah, I'm wondering if we're lacking if there's a dearth of, of hard science fiction that is really driving science right now, or maybe there's just a, dis- a, mis- a disconnect between the two fields. Mm,
1: I I think I think it I think it depends a lot on 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 the specific science fiction book or movie. I, I you know it's, you know I think it's it it is true that you know, there has at least for a time being there was a dialogue between science and science fiction, uh, some kind of dialogue whereas scientists would sometimes be inspired by by science fiction literature, and of course the other way around uh, that goes without saying uh i'm not sure that's true anymore um because uh for many reasons i think i'm not a scientist so I, I really can't say but 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 uh i suspect that you know science real science like cosmology has reached a point has developed into a point where we like very few lay people can, can 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 join that game i mean can can participate in that game because you know the problems that they're trying to work out now in, in cosmology are so advanced and you know that it's, it would take that actually would take anyone let's say you know 30 years just to understand the, <laughs> what is, what the problem is that they're trying to work out i i for sure don't understand you know uh you know these things about the multiverses and how they work and and, and whatnot i mean it's such so complicated concepts that it's just just you know it would take a you know very few people actually understands it right wasn't it yeah uh, there,
0: there might be dozens of people on earth who have a good grasp of it but yeah. don't you think that that's in a way the duty of fiction writers to translate these complex yeah. beliefs and ideas so that we as a society can have this bigger discussion
1: Yes, yes, I, I do. I, I do think that's that's an important idea. Yeah, there's an educational um, job there for, for science fiction writers. Uh, and yet, you know, and yet not, right? Because it's like we don't want science fiction literature to just be, you know, an, an interesting way of communicating, uh, you know, scientific facts. because it's ob- Because if we do that, I think we're losing... The big picture, which is that we, you know, which is the liter- literary aspect of it, uh, you know, which is so fantastic, like things the literature can do, which goes far beyond science, right? These thought experiments that 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 can we can have as human beings are, are amazing, and might you know might eventually push, and or you might not push, but but you know uh, um, influence science, real science, but but I don't think we should limit science fiction literature or movies to be simply like a a kind of a way of communicating scientific.
0: Because on one hand, yes, that's a very powerful part, but the the other hand is that science fiction is almost always entirely about the human condition and not specifically about, you know, nuclear propulsion in in space. right? Right. Now, Dan, I want to ask you some, some more stuff, but first I have to remind everyone that you are listening to WRAR 97.3 FM, and this is the show that They Came From Outer Space. I'm here with Dan Hoffman speaking about the elements of science fiction in, in screenplays. thing i need to add just because i have to fangirl it for a moment so you know the ultimate sci-fi movie is 2001 and we were talking about arthur c Clarke. do you did you know that he wrote that book arthur c Clarke wrote it concurrently with kubrick and that they had a huge bromance basically
1: yes i know that okay.
0: did you read the i remember reading the book and feeling like it added so much value to the film i watched the movie maybe when i was 12 and i read the book when i was maybe 14 Wow. And I thought that that was such a cool thing to have these kind of two people working together, and that maybe Arthur C. Clarke's participation is lost a little bit when we remember how good that movie is.
1: Yeah, it's it's a, it's an amazing movie, and I, I think it's a great example of how science can work with with science fiction. But I also think that there is a you talked about before. You mentioned the, uh, you know the difference between hard science fiction and and what what some people might call soft science fiction. And I think there's also an evolution of of the literature in time because you know if you look at the old you know the old sci-fi writers like Jules Verne and so on um there's no question that that was that was you know hard science fiction which is you know a kind of literature that is mostly about speculations about science itself or technology and as the 60s um came about you know writers um, more science fiction. I mean, uh, saw, saw the 1960s saw a huge influx of, of writers that didn't have a scientific background. Uh, you know, like like obviously like uh, Philip K. Dick and others, um, and uh, and that kind of changed changed the nature of the genre itself. Right from then on, it became more more sort of um, stories more sort of like traditional dramas really about you know that puts the human the human beings at the center of the story which is what is true today right uh, you know it's it's sort of it's very hard i think today to do what you would call pure heart you know hard science fiction uh, mm-hmm. um without even you know without having you know a human being you know a human arc a human Perspective, a human character, a, a dramatic element in it uh, as, as the central, the, the focal point. Mm-hmm. Um, so today, it's, it's. I think there's no. I don't really see even Interstellar has that. You know, even though it's, you know, probably the closest thing to hard science fiction we've seen in a long time, yeah. uh, but it still has that dramatic element. It's about. You know, basically about a, a, a guy and his daughter, right? and and so so yeah. and 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 so. We we're right back to what 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 what, what's, what what the core of fiction is, rather than the, what the core of science is. And the core of fiction is always human relationships.
0: Wow, uh, yeah, that's so true. Because in the constellations of science fiction that are out there, which uh, I and my family pay a tremendous amount of attention to, you know, <laughs> where this is our it's the game is can you find the good sci-fi thing? What's the next good thing? That felt like hard sci-fi, right? Because. Uh, even though it's so deeply about a father-daughter relationship, and you know there is a little bit of a soft sci-fi element in that, you know, love crosses the boundary of time is kind of the heart. I still felt like it had way more hard science than I was used to getting yeah. out of those movies. Right, the fact that they were actually giving me a little bit of information about event horizons and black holes felt like a wealth of information about science. To me, a great, the best sci-fi movie in my heart is Contact. Have you seen
1: it? Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Uh,
0: to me, I, I mean, it gets a lot of negative re- reviews for some reason, but, it, you know, it's written by Carl Sagan. So it it has it, it's so deeply balanced. It's also about a father-daughter relationship. Right. And, time.
1: Yeah, and that's a very good example because I think if somebody were, were to write, you know, uh, the complete history of science fiction literature I, I in some time in the future, I'm not going to write that book, but somebody, I hope, will... <laughs> 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 uh, uh I, i'm sure that history like literary historians will will aden- identify that book uh or something close to it as, as sort of like um what do i call it? like the first really modern science fiction novel uh, because it comp- it's, it's, it's right between hard science fiction and soft science fiction and, and drama, you know, yeah. uh, and has that perfect balance between, between you know, scientific speculation and, and, and yet it always maintains this focus of having human beings, the main characters as the focal point. It's about their, their inner journey, their evolution, their emotional connection, which is what all dramas are about.
0: But wouldn't you argue that, that that's what makes a good story effective is having a central hero character who you can relate to, and perhaps that's the reason why reading 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is a little more challenging today yes. than it would be? right, yeah yeah, so yeah. yeah. Maybe they just aren't as good because they aren't in the format that our brains are most conducive to understanding and re- retain- retaining, right? So let's, let's get to the core of what you had proposed to me, um, which is, you know, you mentioned what science fiction is, and I love your definition. It's a speculative story based on thought experiments. What makes a sci-fi story in a script screenplay format? What are the what are the basic beats um, or basic forms?
1: Right. Uh, oh, uh, that's that's a <laughs> that's a huge question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me go through some principles um, that I that I consider important for science fiction screenwriting. Um, First of all, I think the first principle um, and this is based I mean what I'm saying now is based off you know a lot of bad spec scripts that I've read in my life and, and a lot of really great science fiction novels that I've seen <laughs> um, and and also working with with uh, with you know screen uh, script development on a daily basis. Um, So what what I think is that, you know, first of all, I think anyone who's interested in writing about science fiction has to realize that what I think is one of the most important points to make is that science fiction, uh, although it's about thought experiments, about the future and about, you know, and all those things we talked about, uh, basically science fiction is always about the present, not about the future. I think that's the, for, for me, for it's the most. It's the most important because you know you're not writing. I mean, even though even though you're writing about the future, uh, you're not writing for the future. That's a very very important distinction. Uh, because if you want to make a living as a writer, uh, you want to sell your your screenplay now, not in a thousand years uh, when it becomes relevant. So so you're writing for a modern audience. <laughs> you're writing for for us for the people that inhabit this planet right here and now, and and. And it has to have relevance for us now. Wow! So, 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 that for me is one of the most important things that I look for in a sci-fi script. You know, how how do I relate to this now? What you know, and if I don't, you know, it's just speculation, uh, which might be true, but but it's possibly not true, <laughs> very possibly not true, uh, um, because it's very hard to predict anything in the future. And 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 that you know, um, so so um, for me, that's 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 one of the main. One of the basic principles: make make your screenplay about now. I mean, make make it into a commentary about the situation now, and that's how you can use science fiction to it, to its advan- advantage, right? You can extrapolate, uh, you can exaggerate situations that are true now, um, in a way that would you know not make sense if it was not science fiction. Um, so, so it's I think great science fiction is always about the present uh, it always is some kind of commentary it could be you know commentary on society or about politics or about the human condition um which is true now you know and and, and actually when you said star trek uh, that reminded me of star trek right because uh you know that was that was as i understand that that was one of the one of the core ideas behind Star Trek and and why he he wrote that concept, I don't know if you mm-hmm. you know was was his idea about you know um, the coming together the, the collaboration of, of different ethnic ethnicity mm-hmm. ra- races right and 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 um, basically I think the the core idea of sorry, one of the one of the core I better say one of the core ideas uh, is that you know he. He was frustrated, somewhat frustrated with you know the racial divisiveness uh, that he saw, and and uh, he what he did was basically he he uh, Roddenberry he he um he basically made this thought thought experiment that you know if we sometime in the future would face would would, would face a threat from other alien species right that that would that would. Sort of force humanity to work together in spite of our differences, uh, and uh, and and therefore he, you know, he uh, went about to create this idea of a spaceship where you, uh, you know, where you had different kind of eth- ethnic uh, people represented and and different alien races and species represented and that collaborated. So it's basically was trying to show us something about collaboration. Um, and you know and and that was one of the core ideas um that he had and it,
0: and it was important because he had a person of asian descent a person of african descent all on the same bridge all yeah. with and and it's easy to forget that there's you know this infamous scene where kirk and uhura kiss and that was the first interracial kiss on tv yes ever yes exactly. and there's a quote that he said gene roddenberry said if man is to survive, he will have to learn to take delight in the essential differences between men and between cultures, and learn the differences in ideas and attitudes are delight. I mean, they 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 ex- they go through that in different ways, where they always go to different planets, and of course, in Star Trek form, you know, a different planet is just a person with like a slight twinge over their nose or twenty years <laughs> or you know, every human. I've always found that so perplexing, but I I find it so much more powerful than. Star Wars, because Star Wars is not helping humanity think about a positive future where racism is is essentially no longer quite the same issue. Right, it's is so important to me. Yeah,
1: I I, I completely agree, and and um, also for for, for for many reasons, but also because I don't actually consider uh, Star Wars to be science fiction.
0: That's pure fantasy, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's it's pure fantasy, and it's 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 sort of um, you know it's it's you know I mean. There's no way around it. It's just fantasy. I mean, I mean, the first Star Wars movie, uh, A New Hope, is about you know, um, and an, an evil, an evil dark magician kidnaps a young princess and you know keeps her captive, and a young you know a, a young knight is then you know charged with with, with liberating. I mean, we, that that's a pure fantasy story.
0: <laughs> I'm laughing because she has the long braids too
1: <laughs> yeah I mean it doesn't get more fit it, it's oh just
0: man, what about the robots and the ships and the pew 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 what it, about that yeah, yeah.
1: that's just ele- <laughs> I mean that for me that's just elements uh, that's like background right that you you take you, they're not fighting with swords they're fighting with light swords they you have swords know, you know. I never even so it's just, you know, this is just, this is just fantasy, just, you know,
0: Jedi Knights. They are literally called Jedi Knights. That's a thing in the star Wars universe.
1: Right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's 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 basically just, and this is not to to diminish what it is, um, just you know, um, not at all. Uh, but it, but, but basically, it's just thinly disguised fantasy, um, which is good enough. I mean, that that's fine. I, uh, uh, but that's just what it is. Um, so that, that's a huge difference between Star Trek and and and, and Star Wars, of course, uh, because Star Trek, Star Wars, is more. Because it's more fantasy, it's not really concerned with with, with um, social commentary. Right, and also, also, what I forgot to say is, is, of course, Star Wars is also hugely rooted in in in, uh, in 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 fantasy because of its its you know the way it depicts um, the societal structure right uh, mm-hmm. because it's like uh, this is clearly not the future you know because it's it's it depicts a world of tyranny you know of government suppressing you know it's like you know it's it's clearly uh, you know what do you call it a uh, um, patriarchal society right it, mm-hmm. it you know that you know that almost you know mimics every society that ever existed in the middle ages you know it it's it just not it's not you know it's not a society a ruled Primarily by democracy, or democratic ideas, uh, or by ideas about you know um, the kind of ideas that rules our you know that that informs our constitution today, okay. uh, and I, I, yeah, so so I think on on many levels, Star Trek is fantasy um, more than science fiction.
0: Um, We're gonna get some hate mail. I can feel it. I'm no, I'm right?
1: I'm not criticizing Star Wars at all. I about. know, I
0: know. <laughs> but you're absolutely right, right? I, for some, all the images that are flashing to my mind feel like never-ending story, right? Yeah. Uh, it, and even the outfits that they wear are reminiscent of of almost medieval, um, you know, plays and stories and Renaissance time.
1: Yeah, so. that, that that's just. I mean, no, I I didn't mean just to to provoke anyone. I, if you know, I, not that I I'm afraid of provoking anyone. I often do that. Um, I think. I could say things that are hugely more provoking. Like when I when I usually uh, do lectures and, and and tell people that. Uh that uh, Game of Thrones is a soap opera, soap opera set in in, in a fantasy world. People. Oh,
0: it out. totally is. Who had this baby, and now this this uncle comes back from the dead, and now it's my twin sister. It's the exact same thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, you, you know, it's just uh, you can take Dynasty or Dallas, and, and you know, <laughs> set it set it in a fantasy universe or Guiding Light, God forbid, uh, and um, and you would have Game of Thrones.
0: <laughs> Game of Thrones is ER with dragons. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's so uh, funny and i well, and, and that works because one of the things i know you're going to talk more about is, is that there are basic elements of story structure that people yearn for and that need to be met right and that the reason that the show works is because it is meeting those elements that we yearn for is that right
1: that's true that's absolutely right yeah um yeah, I mean, of course, I mean, that 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 that's why it's so hard to write um anything, I guess. Uh, it's because you know, you have to meet so many criterias uh when you write when you're writing science fiction, you have to meet the uh somehow you have to meet the criteria of science fiction, the rules that you know, the rules and grammar that governs that 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 specific genre and as and at the same time you have to uh make it a relevant story and you have and at the same time you have to you have to uh you know, abide by the rules of drama, uh, you know, what makes the elements that makes any story a great story. And so there are a lot of things to, to to a lot of elements that had to meet each other before we can say, wow, that's a great movie. Uh, because it's you know, like, everything came together in the right way. It's a great story and it's a great science fiction story. Uh, you know, apart from being a great story, it's a great science fiction story. And on top of that, you know, uh, it, it also uh, had some thought of, thought-provoking or interesting ideas.
0: So what are the elements that I, let's say I'm going to write a screenplay about people on a space station, um, not thinking about anything particular. <laughs> what What do I have to have in there to make this work as a science fiction story?
1: Right. Um, yeah. First of all, as I said before, make sure, make sure that this is a commentary about something that's, that's, um, that's relevant to us in our present, not about the future. Second, secondly, um, I would say that it's make sure that the sci-fi is justified, because it's very easy to write a story and and then say, um, here is Casablanca set in space. Therefore, it's science fiction. No, it's not. If if you know because. Science fiction is, as we as we talked about, extremely expensive to produce. And any producer worth his salt will, will always say, why does this have to be science fiction? If you could make it if you could set it in the present, let's do it. It will cost us so much less, <laughs> you know. So you have to. So a science fiction writer always have to be extremely aware. Am I using science fiction just because I love this genre, or because I love spaceships? Uh, because that's I mean, that's not going to fly with an, an actual Hollywood producer. Yeah, like
0: enough answer for the producers, but I love spaceships. Anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah, I to justify the 150 million that we need. To make said spaceships happen,
1: right? Uh, but but think about it. You know, it's like uh, let's say, um, let's let, for instance, let's say you know, Blade Runner, for instance, right? Uh, in many ways, it's 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 a story that is reminiscent of, because it, it you know combines these elements of of noir, of crime noir. Uh, you know, could be a Dashiell Hammett story. Um, you know. Um, Set in a universe that's you know very noirish, you know, so one might ask, you know, couldn't this story have been set in the 1940s? And you know, um, why set it in the future? And and there's there are reasons for that, right? Because the you know because Blade Runner or you know Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep's um, explores uh, an idea that I cannot I cannot see how that could be done in in our time without using you know elements of cyber. Because because what is Blade Runner really about?
0: what makes
1: us human right and and uh, exactly and and for that reason you need you need an example of someone who's not human um and and Mm. (laughs) so just you know just by establishing those simple simple core you know core ideas within the idea you realize that there's no way you can do it without science fiction and that that's for me is what i would call the litmus test of whether this is you know you know whether this is I wouldn't say I hate to use the word proper science fiction because, <laughs> because uh, but you know whether the, whether the sci-fi is justified, and and that's that's the thing that you know as a as a you know, story analyst working for studio that's something that I'm asked to think about a lot uh, when evaluating scripts. You know, could this be set? You know, could we do this cheaper? Could, you know, in and, and and you know, and and that leads me to say, you know, um, is the sci-fi just pretense? The sci-fi elements, you know, could we, in any way, you know, uh, if we set this in the in the in the in the present or in the past or whatever, uh, um, could we could we do the same story? And if the answer to that is yes, then the answer is no.
0: Hmm. Can, now, this is a tough question, and you you can choose not to answer it. But without offending anyone, of course, you don't you could offend someone. Can you think of a science fiction story made in the last twenty years that didn't need to be sci-fi? It could have been something else.
1: Um, that's a really great question, and
0: Cause I guess it wouldn't have gotten made, right? Yeah, yeah, it?
1: exactly right. Because it go you know, uh, it takes so much to to actually get a screenplay off the ground, and and uh, because it's rarely, no, it's not rarely, it's never the decision of one one person. Um, it's a, it's the combined decision of a lot of people over a lengthy period of time, and 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 they, you know, they they you know they. they they go through a lot of uh, pains to, to 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 try to try to you know uh, find things in the project that that you know the thing. Let me say it in a different way. Um, a studio at any at any given time, a studio is you know is, studios are never looking for ideas. That's another you know spec script myth, right? Uh, they're never looking for ideas, so they are always at any given point of time that they, they they are they are let's say overloaded with hundreds and thousands of screenplays and 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 so they're actually not looking for something rather than they're looking to they're looking for reasons not to do something right mm, well <laughs> you know so so it's like you know you see this as a as a as a, when, as a studio reader you realize this immediately because you you know uh you you know, they sent you like fifty scripts that you have to read within a week, and 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 you will. Once you have done that for for a long time you know, period of time, or just for ten minutes, <laughs> you you realize that you know you you need to find some excuse not to read this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Is it true that you would, would you really get fifty screenplays in one week? To have to read. I'm sorry really get 50 no no not
1: 50 no that's an exaggeration but i i would i would get something between some sometime you know uh i think at the most busy times you would get maybe 10 or 15 scripts to read a week but that, not that not anymore. That was back when I started in the '90s. Uh, you know, when, when when studios were still open to do spec scripts. Mm. Uh, now, of course, it's it's a much more professional world where you know they only read scripts that are sent to them through agents and and are, recommend, are recommended to them, um, or scripts that they have that they themselves have commissioned someone to write. Uh so it it's um, um, but anyway, that's beside the point. The, the main point is that, you know, we um we read a lot of you know, it, it's a very important process for it's a very important thing for a for a studio to um consider, you know, should this be science fiction at all? Um, you know, couldn't we do this in some other way? Um because and and that's 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 you know, um so that's why it's so important, also for spec script writers or anyone interested in writing science fiction, to consider: does this actually have to be science fiction? And and that puts a lot of emphasis on on on, on the next thing I'm going to say, which is ideas, hmm. right? Right? Because it all comes back to: do you have an idea that can only be realized per via the genre of science fiction? Hmm. Is is your core idea? In other words, an idea that can only only be made through, you know, through speculations about the future. And I think, you know, again, I think, talk about Blade Runner again uh, one last time. You know, it's 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 very hard to do a story about, you know, what what it is to be a human without having examples of people that are not human, and therefore science fiction. Um, if you read, if you read uh, Philip K. Dick's uh, large body of works, uh, you will realize that he did write you know, books and novels that were not science fiction, where he, where he didn't think that, you know, that was, it was needed. Um, so, yeah. so it all comes down to your idea. Uh, and and when, I, when I'm saying idea, this is very important. When I'm saying idea, I'm not necessarily talking about an idea for a story. I'm, I'm talking about the idea behind the idea if that makes sense you, you have you have a you have an idea for a story that and we can talk about that later but you know what constitutes a story but i'm not even talking about that uh, i'm talking about the the philosophical core idea behind it right uh, um you know which is what i think science fiction is in my view uh it's it's a genre that that explores philosophical or speculative or scientific ideas uh, and and that and 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 great science fiction ideas are therefore ideas that can only work in science fiction.
0: So, um, if- oh, Dan, sorry, with with just a few minutes left in this episode, could you, could you give me an example? Like, let's take the Blade Runner. What's the idea behind the idea?
1: Um. Yeah, it's it's what we talked about. It it's you know basically it's the idea that you know it's actually. Let me say it in a different way. Um, um, it wasn't a new idea for Philip K. Dick. And, and, and I think Blade Runner might not actually be the best version of that idea that he wrote. Wow.
0: <clears throat> big <laughs> work. I've read that book and I thought the book was kind of crappy, I'll be honest. <laughs> I like the movie, but I have a lot of problems with a lot of his novels. His short stories amazing. Yeah. His novels, drag.
1: So so let me, to address the, the Blade Runner, let's talk about another Philip K. Dick story that many people might not know, uh, which is a short story he wrote many years prior to that. But it sort of explores the same, the same, con- the same core idea, the idea behind the story, uh, which is a story called, um, I think it was called The Electric Ant. Does that ring a bell or does that? Uh, no, I've
0: never, I've never heard of that. That sounds interesting.
1: And it's kind of a mess. As a story, it's a mess. Right,
0: because you know, sexuality disorder. No, he had schizophrenia. That's what. So, it's interesting to read his books again, recognizing (laughs) that
1: Uh, it's a mess of an. You know, if as you will see when you read it, because it doesn't really work as a story, but because because it's very clear that that Dick, when he wrote it, was was overpowered by the idea behind the idea um so so basically what it is it has an interesting premise though that could work as a movie i think um uh which is this this is about an ordinary guy i forget his name he has a he's hit (laughs) right he's he's has he has this accident i think he's hit by a car and 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 um wakes up at the hospital um you know and um is met by this doctor who you know you know briefs him about this situation. The situation is that they have to transfer him to another department because this is a department for humans and they don't really do robots. Uh, oh.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and so um, um, this is how the character realizes that he's not a human being, that he's a robot for the first time. And he's, he's led a completely normal life up until that point, you know, with a family and possibly a wife even, I forget. Uh, um and he has like, this backstory and memories of his childhood and like everyone else. Um...
0: And none of it's real. It's all been implanted. That's that's in Total Recall as well. He does reuse a lot of the same. Oh, yeah. The book is I'll Remember It For You Wholesale. Yeah, exactly.
1: So anyway, so anyway, um, after that the story sort of goes off the rails um, completely. I mean, there's no. I mean, what he, you know, he 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 comes back after the hospital after his, you know, repair (laughs) repair repair job comes back and and starts to really because I think he's like a mechanic or something like that, a technician, I forget. Anyway, he becomes like hugely interested or even obsessed with, you know, how he could be a robot and um, starts opening up his own body to see how he works and opening his own own brain to start doing experiments with his brain, uh, which alters his view about, you know, his perception of reality Um, in in, in a number of really weird ways. Uh, it's sort of like a like an LSD trip at some point, um, but um, anyway, um, the core idea behind that, of course, is, is you know to explore to explore you know how how we perceive reality,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and and can we you know and and there's an interesting thought in 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 the story where he um, you know he he discovers th- th- by looking into his own brains or whatever his own brain he discovers like the receptors in his brain that that sort of you know that sits behind his eyes and and sort of uh, translate what he sees into data uh, and then becomes you know his his perception of reality and and then he starts he's start, when he's tr- like he tries to monkey around with those things he uh, um, he does like a lot of experiments like what will happen if i change my perception of reality will that change reality or just my perception of it uh
0: oh, that's groovy man
1: <laughs> that's yeah that's really i mean that's like really lsd-ish and and uh and 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 sort of i think that idea became eventually became do android dream of electric shapes um right uh, just in a different different format so the core idea behind blade runner to make a long story even longer <laughs> uh um it's basically that you know he wants to explore the human condition and you can in a way you cannot that can only be done by a non-human
0: wow well we have to cut for this episode thank you so much dan hoffman for coming on we've been listening to they came from outer space here on wrir lp 97.3 fm dan thanks for coming on oh thank, and, thanks
1: for having me it's been a lot of fun
0: and listen to uh, part two of this coming out in two weeks.